Last Sunday, if you weren't here, we said right off the bat, we are Jesus-focused. Now, you may have thought to yourself when I said that, or maybe now if you weren't here, you're like, you're a church, you're supposed to be Jesus-focused, right? But can we all agree that you can be a Jesus follower and not be Jesus-focused? There are seasons of life, uh, there are moments of life where we just get distracted. And the word distracted means torn apart. That's what the word means. We just, our heart gets torn apart, um, our focus gets torn apart, and we lose a focus of who we need to be focused on, and that's Jesus. And last Sunday, we said this, whenever we're not Jesus-focused, two things happen. Fear sets in, and we begin to sink. We use a story in the Bible of Simon Peter that that happened to. And so we want to be Jesus-focused and go, what? does that mean? It simply means that we're going to focus more on who he is rather than who we're not because the voices in our head, or maybe it's just me and I need a special hospital to go to, but the voices in my head continually tell me all about all my failures and what I'm not and what I'll never be and I'll never measure up to because of, and the voices in my head keep filling in the blanks about everything I've done wrong. And what the world needs to know is what Jesus has done right and what is right about him, not what's wrong about us. And so that's Jesus-focused. And today, I want to tell you about the second thing that as a, as a team, we're moving forward this year with this. But again, it's also true for your individual life. And that is we are Jesus-focused and we are better together. Some of us may think in our life right now, I really, I, I, I don't need more relationships in my life. I'm good. I'm busy. I got a lot going on. I've got 278 Facebook friends. I'm good. I don't need you to convince me that we're better together, but that's what I'm going to try to do before the end of our time today. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we, what's the next word? belong to each other and each of us what's the very next word needs all the others you need the other we need one another uh, I, I love the phrase that we need a circle we don't just need rows we need a circle here's why because the rows don't know the person on your road doesn't know what you went through this week person on your road doesn't know the habit you're trying to break in your life person on your road doesn't know your deepest fears at night when your head hits the pillow. The rose don't know. The rose will never know. But the circle does. The circle knows. We need each other. Um, Jesus actually said this in Matthew 16 verse 18. I will build my church. I love this. The church is his. The little C, which means the bridge, and the big C, which means the church family. It's all his. But here's what I don't want you to miss. He's doing something. Jesus is very active. He's building something. He's not just stepping back. Jesus didn't just create everything, get it going, and then just step away from it. He's building something. And he's building the church, which is a group of people. Now, here's what's interesting. The word church in Greek that Jesus used was ekklesia. This is the word. I will build my church. And that word church is ekklesia. That word means a few different things. Number one, it means called out. That when Jesus touches your life, when Jesus speaks to you, there's something that happens internally that you know he's wanting you to be different. He's calling you out of a way of thinking that the world has. He's calling you out of a way of believing that the world has. He's calling you out of being in the mold that this world continues to press in on you. He's calling you out of that. 
But he's calling you to something as well. That's why I have loved our, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's not just that we're giving something up for a little while to tell Jesus he's better. We're putting something in our life which is being Jesus-focused for a while. And this is what the ecclesia is. We're called out, but we're also called to, but we're also called together. It's not just a solo event, this Christianity thing. It is a we are called together to make a difference in the lives, in, in lives around us. And you say, well, my, my Christian walk with Jesus, it is very personal. It is. When you read the first, uh, about the first Christians um, in the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament, they, they met together as a large group, but it also says they met in each other's homes. They did both. You need this group because God does things in this group that you just can't experience any other way. Um, I, I was just speaking at our regal service a moment ago, and one of the guys who hasn't been there in a few weeks because of different family complications, he came up to me right before the service. He goes, I didn't know how much I missed this. Right? There's something you experience with God when we are together. But there's something you experience with God in a circle that you don't get in this room. First, first believers needed both. We needed both. So let me give you some reasons why I just jotted down that we are better together. Number one, we are better together because we're made for it. There is a longing that we have to go way beyond hearts and likes. You're not made to be liked. You're made to be loved. And there's something deep within us. There is a longing to belong. And when I say that, here's what I'm saying. We want to know and we want to be known. And we can't avoid that. You go, where does that come from? I'm really glad you asked. When you check out the very first part of the Bible in the book of Genesis, here's what it says. God said this, let us make man in our image. Now, I believe that what he's talking about, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I think they always have existed, and they've always existed in community. They've always existed in a special oneness. So when he made mankind, when he made you, he put his impression of your life of wanting community as well, of needing community it's how God the Father lives, God the Son lives, God the Holy Spirit lives. This is the community of oneness. And so when he made you, he impressed on you this desire to experience the exact same thing. As a matter of fact, when God made everything the way he wanted it, he made man. And then here's what God said. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, number one, for fashion reasons, we understand that. You've got to have some help there. But it's not good for man to be alone. Now, here's what's interesting. Adam had not sinned yet. Perfect place, perfect environment, perfect walk with God. He knew his mission. He knew his purpose. And yet God's looking at him going, but he needs some other people in his life. This is not good. So God creates a physical family and a spiritual family. And just like a person without a family is an orphan, God would look at our lives to say, just like a person, a Christian without a spiritual family is also like a spiritual orphan. You need a family in your life. 
Now, when you flip over to the New Testament, you actually see the same thing. I, I was trying to picture what it would have been like for like Simon Peter when Jesus called him. Hey, uh, Pete, I want you to follow me. And it would have been amazing. Simon Peter would have thought, this is incredible. Yes, let's go, let's go. And so he's seen Jesus do some things and he's like, this might be the one, not sure yet, but I'm gonna follow. So he follows. And Simon Peter is loving this one-on-one -on -one thing with Jesus. I mean, you gotta imagine that. He's sitting with him, he's talking with him, sharing stories, and this is good. But as they keep walking, Jesus starts picking other guys to be in their small group. Like Matthew, one of the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst of the day. Not just a tax collector, like a chief tax collector. You're like, he was a bad dude. We named our kid Matthew. What's that mean for him? Figure it out later. But I mean, he picks Matthew. And then I've got to imagine that Simon Peter goes, hey, <clears throat> Jesus, I'm kind of liking this me and you thing. We, we don't need to be adding people to our group. I mean, just me and you. And Jesus would have responded, hey, Pete, if you walk with me, you're going to walk with them. This is not going to be a solo deal. I'm creating a small group and we're going to sit in this circle for three years. And you're going to walk with me, you're going to walk with them. It's one and one. It's the same thing. When you read about one of Jesus in Jesus's prayers, which is recorded, it's fascinating what Jesus prays. He actually prays for you, believe it or not. It's actually found in the book of John. And here's what it says. Jesus is praying. He goes, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Can I, can I rephrase it? Would that be okay? I'm praying not only for these disciples, his small group that he had, but also for all those who will sit in the Sugarland campus at the bridge in 2021 who believe in me. Jesus prayed for you. You want to know what he prayed? I pray that they will all be one. Just as, here it is again, God, you and I are one. We are one and I'm praying they will be one. I don't know if you've experienced this in 2020 and even in the beginning of 2021 yet, that Satan's goal is division. He loves to divide. He wants to divide the marriage. He wants to divide the home. He wants to divide a city. He wants to divide a state. He wants to divide a nation. Division, 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 division. Jesus's prayer was always unity and oneness. Unity and oneness. Unity and oneness. You see, what's so interesting about this oneness thing is, is that single adults in our church don't feel alone because they're connected to a small group. Yet there are married people in our church who feel very alone. So it's not about having someone. It's about being connected to someone. And there is a difference in oneness. You were made to feel, to know, to be secure with one another in relationships. We're better together as well. I also wrote this down because we experience Jesus. Some people think, man, my Christian life would just explode if Jesus would show up in front of me and speak to me audibly. No, 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 no. That's called wet your pants and run is what that's called. Did you know that Jesus actually says, I know how you can experience me. I know, I know. Here's how you can experience me. This is what Jesus said. For where two or three are gathered at, uh, together as my followers, I'm there. I'm there. That's where I am. 
two or three, not two or three hundred, but that's great and he's here, but where two or three gather in a circle, I am there. You experience something about Jesus in a group that you can't experience in a big room. You experience how you love one another, forgive one another, take care of one another. Um, and, and I love 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, by the way, it says this. We have this treasure in jars of clay. What's the jars of clay? It's talking about us. We're fractured. We're broken. There are parts of us that are just ugly. Other parts look really cool, but we're just jars of clay. It says, but we have this treasure in us to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. One of the reasons some people stay away from small groups is because, Kenny, come on, come on, they're all a bunch of idiots. Welcome to the club. You are too. We need one another. We're all just jars of clay. Broken and fractured, but what if you saw your small group as there is a treasure in him, there's a treasure in her, there's a treasure in them that with them I get to experience the power of God. I have been in a small group for over 25 years of my life. I'm in a small group right now that meets every single Tuesday at 3 p.m. on Zoom, and I love it. It's amazing. They ask about my marriage. They ask about my kids. They ask about my leadership. They ask about my personal life. They ask about how we're doing as a church. It is so encouraging. I need it in my life. I don't do it because I'm supposed to. I need it in my life. Another reason that I wrote down, um, we're better together <clears throat> because we grow personally. I think all of us want to grow. We want to get better in our life. We want to do better in our life. I think the answer is small group. Here's what it says in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise grows wise. It's over time. It's not overnight. If you see a wise person, that person over time has walked with wise individuals. And here's what it says. But whoever walks with the wicked will eventually, it's over time, suffer harm. It's interesting. It doesn't say that those who walk with the wicked become wicked because you can be with unwise people to suffer harm by not even doing what they're doing. You would just happen to be with them. That's why your parents wouldn't let you go out with Johnny sometimes. They knew Johnny. Can I go out with Johnny? Nope. Why? Well, let me see here. You're going to suffer harm. You just keep hanging out with that kid. But those who walk with the wise grow wise. The Bible says this in Proverbs 28, 26. Only fools trust in what they alone think. Imagine having a circle where you could come and go, hey, listen, we're thinking about this financial decision. Is this wise? Hey, here's what we're thinking about in our marriage. Is that wise? I cannot tell you over the years, my wife and I being in a small group and we get in the car and go, hey, we ain't ever doing that. Do you see? I mean, can you believe they did that? We ain't ever doing that. We become wise just by being with wise people. Now, I love what Jesus said, and there's something here that I want us to catch because I think it's powerful about this, this growing aspect in our life that we need one another. Here's what Jesus said. Follow me here. He said in Matthew 5, 43, you have heard that it was said. In other words, this is a, this is a common way of thinking that people have. Here's what you've heard. Love your neighbor, of course, and hate your enemies. Well, of course, Jesus. Jesus flips the script, though. He goes, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who hurt you. Oh, that's a different way of living. Jesus will go, exactly. 
If you want to follow me, there's going to be a different way to live. Now, we would read this verse and we'd go, yeah, I probably need to do that. I, I, I really do. I need to love my enemies. I need to pray for those who I think are hurting me, hurting my family. That's a really good way to live. Here's what's interesting about this verse. Jesus used the word you, but it's not singular. It's actually plural, which means all of you. <laughs> All of you do this. If you're from Texas, here's what it actually means. Y'all. <laughs> if you're from deep Texas, the plural of y'all, you know this. All y'all. That's what Jesus is saying. All y'all need to do this. Here's the thing. If you go, I can't do that by myself. You're right. This is what Jesus is saying. My way of living is very countercultural, and you can't do it by yourself. All y'all need one another. You want to know why I chose this verse, by the way? There are several things that Jesus said that's plural. You are the light of the world. That is plural. Y'all, all y'all together can change the world. Can't do it by yourself. You can change part of your world, but you want to change the world. All y'all are the light of the world. You want to know why I chose this one? Because he chooses, oh, I chose this because Jesus uses a word that I think is so relevant to today. It is also easy to hate together. You can get on any social media platform and if you hate him, you hate her, you hate them, you can find a group that goes, me too, let's hate them together. Well, here's how, I, here's why I hate him. Here's why I hate her. Here's why I hate them. But listen, Jesus comes along and he goes, listen, I believe in uh, separation of church and hate, but here's the deal. If you're going to love your enemy, you're going to have to do this with somebody else. So instead of funneling your energy toward hating together, Jesus is like, I want you to funnel your energy toward loving together. And that's going to be really difficult in this world. But you can do it together is how you can do it. And that's where you will grow together. Do you see it? Do you see this? Um, another thing uh, uh, that we have coming up I wanted to tell you about is uh, our One Another series. This is coming up in February that we are really, really excited about. One Another, so many different things in the Bible that talks about love one another, serve one another, uh, share with one another, bear with one another, forgive one another. Um, they're like over 50. Don't worry, it's not going to be a series 50 weeks long. It's just four, okay? Here's what I'm encouraging every single person to do. Get in a small group to go through this. And you're like... I don't want to join a bunch of idiots. Okay, find your own group of idiots and start your own small group. Group that you work with, start meeting early and go through for four weeks of what we're talking about. Get your group of family members together. Go through what we're going to talk about. One another. You want to know why? Because here's what Jesus said. You were not made to do life alone. This is going to be a great series for you to be in a group or start your own group. We're going to give you everything that you need to do it. Um, uh, let me kind of keep moving forward. We're better together because, I wrote this down, we experience victory together, not alone. You see this over and over in Scripture about people in Scripture who accomplished something great because they were tied with a friend and a close friend. We experience victory together. Here's what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes. If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone, when they fall, they're in real trouble. You see what he's saying? You see this? this? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's a picture of a small group right there. That's it. Um, 
I don't know if you know this or not. I mentioned it a moment ago. But Satan's goal for your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take what's important from you. Steal your joy. Your peace. And eventually bring you to a place to where he completely destroys everything that's good around you. You wake up in the morning. He's there. He's ready. He's watching. He knows your pattern. He knows your habits. He knows what you fall for. So he is so patient in waiting for the perfect opportunity when you're tired, when you're alone, when you're hungry, when you're stressed out to bring to you that perfect temptation. And then he knows how to take you down. The question is, do you have anyone in your life who's got your back in that moment? When you go, hey, I, I, I need you right now. I need a prayer right now. I need your help right now. Hey, give me a word right now. You got a verse right now? Listen, what you got right now? But pity the person who falls and has no one to help them in that moment. By the way, you know Satan is real, right? You know he's true. Some of you have felt him breathe down the back of your neck, have you not? I don't know why the ladies were the only ones nodding their head. Yes, I dated him. I'm telling you, I know. I felt him as we drove in the car. I mean, he's, this is what his desire is for your life. But you can conquer more when you have people in your life. Um, the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. Every single time we go out of town, we've done this for 17 years now. We've lived in, our, in the same house. We text our neighbors, Ed and Terry, and we say, hey, we're going out of town. We're going to be gone until Friday. Would you look out for our stuff for us? Immediately, absolutely. They do the same for us. We watch out for each other's stuff. Here's my question. You may have someone doing that. Who's looking out for your soul? Who's looking out for your heart? Who do you have that looks at you and says, how are you doing? You. Not what you're doing. How are you doing? Your spirit, how close, are you feeling close with Jesus this week or no? Has something happened to your soul? I know you and your, 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 your spouse are going through a hard time. How are y'all doing? How can I help y'all? What can I do for you? This is looking out for one another's interest. Now, I want to stop right here for just a moment. Some of you may think, really, I am good. I, I mean, I'm in a good place in life. I'm serving. Everything is good. I don't really need a group. There's something you read in scripture though, the group also needs you. It might not be that you need the group right now, but the group needs you. Listen, Jesus didn't come to start a relationship with you because he needed you. He started a relationship with you because you needed him. And so maybe in joining a group and being in a group, you're actually going for your group, not just what you get out of your group. There's different seasons of life where that can shift over and over. I love Hebrews 13.1. It says this, keep being concerned about each other as the Lord's followers should. We should live this way as Jesus' followers. We keep being concerned. We never stop. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? How are you doing? How can I pray for you? How can I celebrate with you? What can I do? I'm just telling you, I, I, this is just the honest truth. I want 100% of those who call the bridge their home to be in a small group. If you're online, we want to help you start a small group wherever you are. We want everyone in a small group. We believe in circles. Life is better together. We grow wise together. We experience Jesus together. We find victory together. No one should do life 
alone.